Welcome to Dev Dive Episode 7, 007. We reintroduce our new producer to the show, Marin Rutz. She works at Apple, and she's going to help us out with a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, so we thought it'd be fun to have her on the show and talk about what she does at Apple and what she's going to help us do on Dev Dive. So welcome to the show, Marin. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show, Marin. I was going to say, good to be here, but I'm just sitting in my computer room you can pretend that you're you're in a studio with us i'll have to green screen you guys in afterwards (laughs) it's quite nice that i can you know be in sweatpants yeah oh i'm in sweatpants too they can only see my my upper torso on the live stream so who the hell wears pants in the in their house (laughs) there is only one rule at my house and that is no pants that's how that goes you didn't enforce that rule when i came to visit oh no i did Maybe if I come to visit again, um, we'll... just be... <laughs> it just means something a little different and not in like a creepy way. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, before right. we get into the the uh, just banter and, and discussion, um, Marin, do you want to talk about a little bit what you do at Apple? Uh, I could talk a little bit about Apple. Apple's a little bit. Uh, it's a huge huge company. Um, So I am in retail marketing. um, So I help our stores. um, I help market our stores all around the the world. Um, So I get to do a lot of talking to different geos, uh, our partners in different areas, and make sure that kind of everyone's on the same page about what's happening. Um, I have to be a little bit discreet about everything because we really like to surprise and delight customers. So I can't really talk too specifically about any of my projects. But a lot of my job is talking to people. Again, the company's huge. So making sure that everyone knows the right information that they need to do their job is really important. So I kind of like to describe myself as a a translator between different teams. Um, And that's a lot of people local uh, in Cupertino and then across the globe. So it's great. I get to I get to talk to people for a living. Nice. Okay. 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 <clears throat> so uh, Marin actually is a friend of ours from our League of Legends group, but um, she actually started listening to the podcast a couple weeks ago, and she uh, obviously liked it enough to decide that she wanted to help us out. So she's going to help us out with a. Some of the behind. I was the very forceful about making you guys take me on and let me do something. No, we need all the help <laughs> we can get. Larry this is, had a choice. <laughs> this is a very ramshackle uh, uh, group of people, I guess. It's a group now it's not just me and Larry right, anymore. It's a group now. It is slowly becoming a group. Yeah, it was very. Uh, you've seen that meme, right? Where it's like, "Hey, I made this," and then you're like, "You made this?" Yeah, and then walks away. <laughs> I made this. It's kind of like it was with Marin. It was very much like, "Hey, Marin, you want to be on the podcast?" Yeah. I'd like to be on my podcast. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, sure. She, uh, she forced me to add a credit for her after the show. <laughs> There's only one credit. It's just, it's just her in every single role. <laughs> Co-host. Man. Producer. Man. <clears throat> Executive producer. I have literally <laughs> done nothing to help you guys, but I'm going to be right. on the credits. So I would say that you have done a lot to help us because that segues really well into our left-handedness talk. That actually doesn't at all. I'm just teasing. Um, but no, I, just to use the opportunity, we are still, you know, trying to figure out the whole podcast uh, thing. You know what the format is. We have the 
the purpose of what we're trying to achieve and our goals. It's just more about trying to get there now. Marin has come up with a lot of really good ideas to help Ben and myself. Oh, yeah, I got to be a critic. That's my, <laughs> that's my job so far. I listened to a bunch of, of episodes and then wrote down notes and told you guys all the shit you did wrong. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's good to get outsider perspective. Well, not outsider perspective anymore, but it was at the time. <laughs> it is important. Oh, I was going to say this at the end, but... Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, I, I lost my train of thought. But I was going to say this at the end, but we'll do it now. Um, I've asked a couple people, like, hey, what do you think? And they're like, yeah, it's good. You know, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a podcast. It's, you know, and I'm like, that's nice. Thank you. But <laughs> constructive, constructive criticism, right? We really want to make sure that this is something that people, one, enjoy listening to, um, and two, more importantly, find useful. So, uh, you know, you hit us up on Twitter. We're on the YouTube channels. We do check. Um, so if you if you have some constructive criticism, even if it's just... I think what you're talking about is stupid, and here is why. Oh boy, we're going to get a lot of that this week. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, as long as you, as long as it's constructive, you can criticize anything, even Ben's haircut. I love you, Ben, but... I need a new haircut, yeah. And so I got this I haircut. Liked... I had this haircut where, where the, the lady who gave me the haircut, she says, what product do you use in your hair? I'm like, I, I don't. <laughs> She's like, well, you should start... <laughs> You start using this, and she like just without asking, she just sprayed it in my hair, and she did all the hair stuff, oh, and it looked good. Cool. And then I'm just like, I'm not gonna spend this much right. effort putting. Sorry, I like <laughs> I liked your old haircut. I'm not gonna lie, I like you a little shaggy. I I it grows very quickly. I have the fastest growing yeah. hair in my family. Um, so yeah. give it a couple weeks, and we'll get there again. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Anyway, um, now, to transition into off-topic discussions again. That, that's uh, right. Left-handed versus right-handed. <laughs> This is not what the podcast is about, or at least this episode. It was just kind of something funny we started talking about. So, so, so what was it's the sort of question. Yeah, it's sort of like a, uh, I don't know if this is an urban legend or an old wives tale. It's sort of just ingrained in culture at this point where, um, and I don't know if there's any scientific data to back this up, but anecdotally, it seems as if more people who are left-handed have that creative flair that um that artistic flair and more people who are right-handed have that mathematical or analytical flair but the problem with our discussion is that nobody actually here is left-handed we're all right <laughs> i can tell you that i am not creative and not an artist and i'm right-handed so I me mean, too that's okay so we're, we're getting somewhere i'm right-handed i'm i'm very uncreative and very unartistic um, and hey, Larry, an Larry's artist, here, and right? he's, he's kind of. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a half and half. Does that mean I'm kind of half left-handed? Is is the one yeah. side of the Asian side or the non-Asian side? Well, it's not so much to the left or the right. It's more the top or the bottom. But we won't get into that. <laughs> oh, so, <clears throat> see, there you go. I do use my left hand for certain things, um, you know, like cooking or things like that I, i'll i'll use my left hand hey i was so an experiment that you can do to see how right-handed slash left-handed you are is try to do some sort of menial task with your non-dominant hand like try to write your name with your left hand or try to god try to use a mouse with your left hand oh lord uh, 
Oh, this is not going well. <laughs> and you can see, you can see, uh, obviously you'd have to get a different mouse to do a, a left-handed. You can see how difficult it is to transition um, between the two dominant hands. So it, it's really interesting. So without, without getting too definitive, what do you guys think? Left-handeds are more disposed to be more creative or is that all just bull? It's right. probably bull, but <laughs> it's probably bull. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I'm not creative is because I'm right-handed. Yeah, we can use it as a scapegoat. Uh, you know, I'd have something, I, you know, like something to do with the process centers in the brain and, you know, what what side works more often or the other, but it would just come off as nonsensical pseudoscience, so. No, there's there's actually, <laughs> there's a terrifying video out there. Um, and I don't know if you searched, um left side of brain separated from right side of brain, you probably would find it. But it, it's about this, um, it was this epilepsy treatment back in the 1960s or 70s, I forget exactly when, um, where they would surgically separate the two halves of your brain. And it would, it would actually work very well. It would, it would um, I think it was epilepsy. It would cure this ailment, whatever it was, uh, fairly well. But the the limited number of people who they actually did this to because it was it was pretty limited who actually had this surgery because of course it's brain surgery and it was a very rare uh, condition in the first place but these people um who had never met each other they had never there was no association other than the fact they all had this one surgery they all experienced these weird symptoms where their left hand or their their non-dominant hand would do things without their brain telling it to like if they were going to choose um, an outfit in the morning, their other hand would like knock the one hand away and try to like get a different one. Or if they were going to pick something up, um, you could subliminally like tell them to oh, pick something up and their other hand different. would pick it up without them realizing it. Like if you showed so, the right eye uh, a picture of a box, the the left hand would go and pick up that box without the person even realizing that they saw that and it's very odd it's very disturbing stuff so um, so you're saying that they were possessed well that, no it, it's <laughs> that epilepsy that, that epilepsy a... epilepsy is is demonic possession is that what you're saying ben i think that's Wait. a little insensitive <laughs> it's like a it, it's it's a cpg gray or cp I, I don't know how you say his channel name um but so it's fairly reputable but it was such a weird topic because like you obviously think that your consciousness is one person but this this very limited data points to the fact that maybe there's two consciousnesses that are working in tandem the left brain and the right brain and that sort of feeds into the theory that left-handed people who are right brain dominated because it's a it's a switcheroo um they have different personality traits or they have different dominant personality traits, which is it's such a fascinating concept but it's so hard to uh lock down and it's so hard to statistically prove so it's just something that's fun to discuss but not exactly right easy to prove well i mean well we got our lizard brain right we have that yeah. that the lizard brain and then our monkey brain non our monkey brain there you go <laughs> it's not it's an interesting i'm gonna have to go watch it now because i'm morbidly curious yeah i'll actually uh you should yeah find it and post it on on twitter yeah okay so 
You ready for the segue? I've been I've been trying to think of a good segue for this. Speaking of analytical stuff, let Put us in the, the anal- link dump on the Discord. Damn it, Ben! You, you <laughs> ruined, ruined it. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> no, it's ruined now. It's ruined. Yeah, right. I'll just keep talking about my boring stuff. <laughs> <laughs> about about demonic possession. Yeah, sure. All right, so. We've been talking a lot uh, on the podcast about, you know, people getting their starts. We, we're going to try and focus in. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of things on this podcast. <laughs> we're going to try and focus in a little bit. One of the topics that um, Ben and I have been really trying to hit on and we've shared with Marin, and uh, we feel like this is a really good place to start, at least, is the common question across all of our podcasts so far is, how did you get your start in the career or in the field that uh, you are currently in, um, and then kind of diving into specifics of how people without experience or with different experience might be able to, you know, take those steps to to move into that career if that is something that they're interested in. So with some of the craft, you know, the, the, the craft-centric disciplines, art, engineering, um, things of that nature, it's fairly easy to say, like, you know, oh, well, if you want to be an artist, well, can you make art like this well? <laughs> um, but for producers or for project managers, uh, that's kind of a harder thing. There is no tangible, like, I did this thing here, look at it and evaluate like that. Uh, so the question for Marin would be, uh, what would let's, be Let's start out spe- with what does a producer do? Damn it, Ben! <laughs> um, what does a producer do? I have done um, project management and producing work at three different companies so far. Um, Kixi, Uber, and now at Apple. And I can tell you that each one of them have been so different. Um, there are some common themes. A lot of it um, is organizational work which kind of sounds like I go through things and file cabinets um but it's more more making sure that everything is everything about a project or a marketing campaign or a customer support uh customer support projects are written down somewhere and that somebody's actually tracking the work that we're telling people that we're going to do. So a lot of it is is just talking to either all of the engineering team or our art team or everyone involved in the production and making sure that everyone knows what they should be working on and then making sure that the timelines are all correct and everyone knows what all the other people are doing so that the people that actually do the work can just focus on that piece of work they're doing. Um, and they're not having to worry about QA or quality assurance. They're not work- worried about what the marketing director thinks that the, the goal should be. Everyone's kind of on their own track. And my job is to make sure that, okay, everyone's on the right track. And then I get to write a big report about it and send it to the execs. <laughs> That's kind of the main gist of what I've done at all of these three companies in very, very different fields. So you said three companies. I don't think we mentioned on the podcast. What other companies have you worked at besides Apple? 
I've worked at Kixi, Uber, and Apple, and I think now is probably and a good Dev time Dive. To talk. Wow, that's a really and impressive Dev resume. <laughs> so we've all heard of Kixi, but Uber and Apple, <laughs> those not they familiar seem, with no those, but they seem small. Maybe they're new companies. So, so a producer. In a very, very, very basic sense, is what from from what I'm picking up is sort of like um, the oil for the machine. They they make sure things run smoothly. They they work a lot of on the stuff that helps make sure that oh, these. What do you that's think? Such is that a poetic it? way to put it? <laughs> well, I was hoping you wouldn't take it badly because it's. Are you calling her slimy? That's. Not... <laughs> yeah, I was worried. I was worried. I was worried she was going to take, little, take offense oily. to it. A little slick. A little oily. <laughs> But um, I'd say you know that's not entirely false. <laughs> it's a very, yeah, like I, I said, it's a very blanket way to put it. But I like I like shoring up things in in very small sentences. Yeah, my my start was very strange, um, and I don't think I even knew what a producer was growing up. Um, I took a few acting classes and like acting classes in school, and we had would learn about what a producer does and the entertainment industry and basically all i thought that a producer did for making movies was like fund the movie and give them yes, a lot of actually money. that's that's exactly what i thought as well okay <laughs> so, uh -oh. Alone. I, <laughs> oh story time so what does a producer in the entertainment industry do i think we talked oh, a little know. bit about this last week so i'm not sure if we ever nailed it down <laughs> Does it nah, well, probably similar not, to not in the not in the movie industry at least well i guess we have another We'll put that up there on our, our backlog of people to talk to. Oh, wait, no, I actually know around. someone. I actually know a producer. Holy shit, I should ask him. Sorry, anyway. Continue. <laughs> Keep talking about me. Yeah. Um, so when I was young, I always wanted to be a, a vet. And that was, you know, since I was little, that is all I wanted to do. And so I was very one-track-minded to get there. Um, I ended up going to Clemson, uh, which is a huge football school in South Carolina. Maybe you've heard of them. They're great. Uh, because it had a really great animal and veterinary science program, Clemson's kind of in the middle of kind of nowhere. It's, in, it's just surrounded by farms, and it's kind of its own little college town. But the great thing about Clemson was because of this, because it was surrounded by farms, we got a lot of on-hands experience. So basically every semester you would choose a different area um, of like animal husbandry. So you would go work on the swine farm or you would go work with the horses or the cows. Like you would pick um, which farm you wanted to work at uh, and you've got a lot of on-hand experience. So it was great. I learned a ton. Uh, I also during the summers would... I interned at Zoo Atlanta and I worked at an emergency animal hospital as a veterinary assistant. And it was kind of those experiences that led me to realize, hey, maybe this industry that I've thought about since I was six is not really the thing that feels right to me. It was not, um, you know, it was very, it was like the heart, like physically and emotionally draining every day. Because yeah. you're just dealing with people, especially in emergency, you're just dealing with people on the worst day of their lives. They're talking about their pets and it costs so much. I mean, there's not really pet insurance. There's a few companies that do it, but 
really it's just so expensive and you just have to work so hard and I got really really sad and <laughs> my, <laughs> I realized um, it's just not what I wanted to do my brother is actually in in school to become a veterinarian um and he he's always liked animals but not to the extent like I don't think he he has the same sort of um compassion or or like empathy towards them as I do and I think that served him very well um in you that really field because he really have to turn it off yeah, because he's so he can he can be that person who has to work with these dying animals or, or these very injured animals, and I I don't I don't think I could do that. I just have too much empathy towards them. I'm just I'd be too sad. Um, but it's it's a it's a very noble profession, but it's not definitely not for everyone. <laughs> it is. Um, I really admire. I have so many classmates who are just excellent vet veterinarians now, and it's I keep thinking, well, I wonder if that would have been me. Um, but I, I didn't get into vet school. I applied uh, and I didn't get in. And so I graduated and I was kind of at this crossroads of, okay, well, <laughs> what the heck do I do now? And I continued working uh, at Zoo Atlanta. I was in their training animals program, which was fantastic. Um, I got to work with all sorts of fun animals. We got to train them and do shows. And that was fantastic. But I just didn't know if that was what I wanted to do as a career. So after a few months after graduating, I decided that I needed a change. Um, I didn't want to live with my parents. And I moved from Atlanta to San Francisco, kind of on a whim. And I lived with my cousin and I just started applying to jobs anywhere I could. And finally, uh, after about a month, I got an interview for a company called Kixai. They were a small gaming company. And it was uh, for a customer support, associate customer support position um, for a couple of their Facebook games. And thankfully, I got the position and I was a customer support rep at a gaming company. And I, <laughs> I fell in love with it. I loved really? the gaming industry. It it was amazing. I mean, even now I look back on it and it's just some of my favorite work experience. You know, I was making no money and living in San Francisco in this tiny little apartment that my room was like basically a closet. Like I could stand <laughs> in my bed and put both of my hands out and I had to stand on my bed to open up my closet. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was fantastic. Uh, the company was really small. I think when I started, there was probably only about 60 people. And this was in the age of Zynga and Facebook games. So it was started making a lot of money. And thankfully, the company did well. And I had just the most fantastic manager, um, Matt McComb, who, you know, saw that I was pretty passionate. I Work was my life. You know, I'm in a new city. I'm surrounded by other people my age. Work was my life. And I would go home and I would organize all of our different uh, customer support canned messages and I would write docs on for new people about here's all of the situations that we the normal questions we get and here's how you should answer them and he looked at that work and said have you ever thought about being a project manager and I was like I have no idea what that is but if it's what I'm doing right now I love it so uh sure um so as the company grew and a position opened up he promoted me to an associate project manager. 
And that's when I got to meet with other project managers in the company. And once a week, we would have this big project manager meeting that was basically just like a bitch sesh about everyone, all the project managers being like, my team is crazy. They keep telling people that they'll do all this work and they can never hit all this work. And so it just keeps going on and on. And I keep having to like tell them to like lower their scope. Um, and I, I, I loved it. You know, it's fantastic. But that's funny when I think back on my project manager days at Kixai, I think about that bitch sesh meeting every week with like 20 people just talking about how hard their job was. So uh, thinking real quick, just to jump in. So thinking back of where you are now, like you said, I don't know what a project manager is when you first started. Um, and obviously you have had a couple years in, in experience. Looking looking back at your first like year as an associate project manager with Kixai, what what would be like your big realization um working working in that position like what was what was one of those things you went like oh so that's why they do that um my biggest realization was you can never communicate enough especially it probably goes back especially to engineers and uh, <laughs> in the gaming industry you can never ever communicate enough. You can just like over over tell people stuff because it's amazing how often you think that you've told somebody something or told the right people and you realize, oh shit, I forgot this team or I forgot somebody or somebody's not doing the right thing. Um, it can be annoying, but in the end, I don't think anyone's ever been like, I've heard this so many times and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, everyone always likes to know what's going on. You hear the cliche a little bit, um, uh, especially in corporate worlds where it's like, oh, we have so many useless meetings we go to. But um, in, in my limited experience, I've been in, in a few situations where there's just no, like there's no meetings. There's, nobody wants to do anything. They can put an email out or they talk on Slack. But those weekly, if you can organize at least one weekly meeting that it doesn't even have to be a specific topic. Like it doesn't have to be a weekly meeting to discuss this. It can just be a weekly meeting. It's so much easier to keep everyone on the same page and keep everyone motivated and working on something, especially if you're working in something more of like a, a less professional environment. If you're working on like a, a startup or a, a um, small, I hesitate to even call them company, but some sort of small project that you and your friends or you and your coworkers are working on. It's, it's so much easier to, keep everyone motivated, especially if you have a project manager. But most people at that stage don't have project managers because the, they, they themselves aren't skilled enough to realize how important that role is. And, well, and when you're they don't want to hire just like, yeah. And you don't want to hire just one specific person to do that sort of role. So, um, but yeah. yeah, project management is like the most important thing that people don't realize. We're, we're silent warriors. <laughs> or not so silent warriors um Loud that's breaks. one of the <laughs> one of the big things I, I noticed at apple was how much people would get on the phone and just call somebody which was just their for iPhone? me you know I'm, their, <laughs> yes, <laughs> their iPhone. um but it, it was strange from Kixai and uber which were very very young companies and everyone who worked there was also very young everyone texts and emails and nobody really calls anyone 
Uh, and that was a big takeaway I've taken from Apple is it is so much easier to just pick up the phone and call somebody and talk about it for five minutes than try to write an email, which is going to take me 30 minutes to compose and or set up a meeting, which is then like three days down the line because everyone's so busy. And that's one of the best things, you know, it's crazy. One of my big takeaways at Apple is just pick up the phone and call somebody. It doesn't take yeah, that I'm, much. And it's so I'm much a little easier younger than um, you guys, but our gen my generation, and I don't know how much it extends into your generation, but we're just terrified of the telephone. <laughs> So terrified. We, we I, I was it. like, <laughs> when, when my boss was like, you should just call them up right now. And I'm like, I, call? Uh, I, well, this is not going to be weird. No, who calls? <laughs> it's just, and, and it's, it's, it's become a sort of phenomenon because people, people grew up, especially my generation, but, but people around my age grew up texting and they grew up um, instant messaging to the point where they don't want to call anyone. They don't want to call their parents. They don't want to call their business associates. They'd rather just do a short text. And there's a lot of things that work better in that format, but there's also a lot of things that don't work very well in that format. Um, heated discussions work very poorly over text. Anything that needs to be in proper context works terribly over text. It's just, it's an inefficient medium. It's an efficient medium, but it's not efficient it, it doesn't scale very well to what you're working on like if you're working on something like project management or any sort of large scope it's so much more difficult to to relay that all the pertinent information over text even if you I do get really to mull tempted. it over a little bit longer i was really tempted to send you a text ben right now <laughs> be like you're dumb and something but it wouldn't make sense it wouldn't be as funny I'd have to so show, the, I I'd have to show the, uh, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess another question, Marin, like, do you, so you work with one specific team or do you work with a whole bunch of different, like, siloed or uh, established teams? Um, at Kixi, I worked mainly with two teams. So I would work either with customer support uh, and engineering, our tools engineering team, or I would work with marketing and engineering uh, at, and that was kind of similar at Uber too. I kind of worked with one team. With Apple, I, I definitely work with a lot more. You know, I have my centered team, but I work with a lot of different organizations, um, a lot more than I did at, at Uber or Kixi. Do you, um, do you, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think how, I'm trying to think of how best to phrase this question, but uh, what I'm, what I'm trying to ask, uh, do you ever have to work with another project manager, like say across, like, you know, across the campus or across the way, or maybe even multiple project managers um, where like teams have to kind of team up? How Do you have to do that or have you had to do that? And what's oh. the big difference between having your own team versus having to work with other project managers? All the time. Um, at Apple, most of the people I talk to are product managers or other producers and project managers. That is kind of almost want to say easier. Um, it's just different. We're kind of all on the same page with we know the information that we need to get from the meeting. So it can be a little simpler sometimes to kind of get to the point. Uh, but at Uber, when I 
when I was the project manager for just for one team in particular, um, and I worked a lot more with the engineers. Um, it was that was nicer because I think we got a little closer. You know, you get you're working with the same people over and over again, and so you kind of get in this rhythm of you know you know each other, you know your personalities. Um, that can be good and bad because in some ways it can kind of hinder work. But I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> there's just a hand, different dynamic, it's, it, right? It's, yeah, it's different and there's great things about both and downfalls to both. Gotcha. So how long okay, how long okay. did you work at Kickstarter and Uber and how long have you worked at Apple? I don't think we broached that. I've worked for uh, Kixai and Uber uber for three years almost to the day three years each three years each mm -hmm. and then apple i've been there about a year uh and one of my old directors um was a she switched jobs about every three years and she just liked getting the the experience from different companies and so that had a little bit to do with it um there was also just changes in management or direction at those turning points that kind of made me think, you know what, I've, I've been here three years. I've gotten a lot of great experience. Maybe it's time to see something new and learn something else new. I never yeah, want I to get that, stuck. I feel like that happens a lot uh, in, in these sorts of industries, the technology industry as a whole, people switch positions quite a bit. Um, and it's, I think it's because it's so, it's such a highly, um, sought after industry like anyone with any amount of experience in this industry has so many opportunities that they can go for like there's you're you'll have difficulty finding a job but you also have people offering you other positions at other companies uh, or at least from what i've heard um all the time you'll have offers coming in from recruiters from headhunters from other uh, uh managers at other places other businesses and you have that option whereas in mo some of the more traditional fields i feel like that doesn't happen quite as often like you don't have people busting down your door trying to offer you money <laughs> they're just you have to Uber go searching definitely it it opened those doors for me um kicks i you know i'm still very i was only three years out of, in the industry so i wasn't i wasn't getting too many headhunters uh, but I worked for um, a manager, or we we worked on a project together at Kixai, and he ended up going to Uber and was leading um, leading IT at at Uber. Uh, and a few months in, he sent me a message and was like, "Hey, I need a project manager. I loved working with you. Would you be interested?" And, you know, I really didn't have that much experience. I only had three years. I still, I think I maybe had been promoted from an associate to a regular project manager, but I was definitely probably lower, not as qualified um, for the job that I was applying for at Uber. And just because he knew me and knew my work, he basically said, like, let's, let's get you the interview, talk to some people. We know you're not as experienced as a lot of the resumes coming in, but I know you could do this job and you could do it great. And that sort of folds into a few of the things we got into last week. Um, last week we had an episode where it was just me and Larry and we were talking a lot about um, how he got into the industry and how other people could get into the industry 
as a whole, not just gaming, but just any any sort of career path. Um, and we kind of harped on about this, where it's networking is just so important. And um, it's incredibly important. It's just it's it's very hard to overstate like how much of an impact like knowing the right person and having that having them think of you as a good candidate for any position. Mm. Um, it's like it's not just knowing people and being friends with them. It's them knowing that you can do that job well, Um, because people being friends with you is is only part of the way like they have to know that. Because it's their, if they put out a good word for you, they have, they're partially responsible for how, how you do, at least for the the first few months or the first few years um, at that position. Definitely. So they don't want to recommend somebody who obviously is not going to do a good job. <laughs> they want yeah. somebody good. So if you have those two parts, you know people and they know that you are intelligent, um, that you can do the job correctly and you can learn quickly or you can learn um well and that's that's some of the more important ways to network and and why networking is so important anyway um did i cut you off my bad (laughs) if i did sometimes i get a little overzealous (laughs) uh i don't think so i think that was that the interview that got me into uber and that really just helped open up a lot of doors just working at a, at a company that went through all that growth. Um, I was there relatively early, um, not early enough to get, you know, be one of these millionaires that's going to come out of the IPO no stock this options. year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have some stock. Um, yeah. So, you know, knock on wood, let's definitely not going to be a millionaire, but hopefully it'll help a little bit <laughs> living in the Bay Area. So how'd you, how'd you transition from uh, Uber to Apple? Uh, Uber had gotten pretty big and I, I kept working on projects at Uber and the, at the time it was kind of at the end of Travis Kalanick's, um, reign as CEO. And there was just a lot of kind of inner turmoil in the company because you got really kind of defeated every morning when you would look at the news and it would be just somebody slamming Uber and it just kind of got to be a little disheartening. Um, everyone, it seemed like was out to get us. So that, that started to be a little disheartening. And then there was just a lot of inner movement with the C-level staff. And at that point it would be, you would work on a project for a few weeks and you would feel really good about it, but then the direction would change just dramatically and have to work on the next project. And it just felt like we were never putting out a really good product and there was no vision for what we were building. And so um, I just, at that time, uh, an Apple recruiter had reached out to me. I was like, oh my gosh, Apple, like I can't, I can't not take this. So I, I called the recruiter up and I was like, you know, I, I love Uber. This is great. I'm not really looking to move, but let's have the conversation. And I ended up talking to um, my current boss and she was great. And I loved talking to her and I liked kind of the vision and, and what people were saying about Apple. And that's kind of what got me to move was just looking for that, looking for a little bit more stability. Uh, I really wanted to work on a product that I know was going to be great. And I wanted to see a product from the start to the finish 
and put something out complete. And so that's kind of what I've gotten from Apple. Um, Uber versus Apple, very different companies, just in completely different parts of their life. You know, you have Uber, which is very much a scrappy startup um, versus Apple, which has been in the industry for tens of years. A long time. Um, so a long time. <laughs> in, in computer uh, years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I just, I, I wanted a little change and to see what it was like. And, you know, I love it. It's great. It's very different, but I've learned so much in both places that I couldn't get anywhere else. What's, what's like the coolest, um, coolest perk, not perk, but like what, so in, in a lot of these sitcoms, like Silicon Valley stuff, you see all like the silly, um, corporate stuff that, that these bigger companies have like scooters or or like free bagels and that kind of stuff what's your is there any of that true and if so what's your like favorite part about oh uber uber was great i actually got way more apple products from uber than i (laughs) have from (laughs) apple um yeah uber was definitely kind of your more stereotypical valley startup with the ping pong table the free lunch um we got i i was early enough that i got a really great uber package so i would just take uber to work every day Um, my commute was like 10 minutes it was fantastic uh yeah but we would get t-shirts it just seemed like all the time um what else there's probably a ton of stuff i'm missing i mean the perks there were were great uh apple's a little bit more you know it's huge so the perk is you work for apple Their 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 benefits and stuff are fantastic. It's you really you couldn't ask anything more from what they they already give you as a company. You know, it's just the difference between Uber is going to pay you a little less, but you're going to get free lunch, or you're going to work for a company that's got the four hundred one k program. I was paid in t shirts for the first <laughs> years of my game career. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is that is not that is not untrue. Actually, JD, when you, how many Gearbox t-shirts do you still have? T-shirts are, and, are the most important asset that you can get. Oh, my, my <laughs> husband worked for Zynga. And when oh, yeah. we were first dating, I think we were probably only four months in. But I was like, we, I have to do something about your wardrobe. Because there, there was a hundred Zynga shirts. And you know, <laughs> you're talking Zynga, so it was a lot of like animated sheep and like Farmville. No. Like not any 25-year-old man <laughs> really wants to be wearing and little uh cartoon sheep on their shirt. So I I did a I did a big purge. Oh, that's rest not, in peace that's Zynga shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many still, old t-shirts that I I refuse to throw away. I it it's taken me a while. I finally pruned my Uber t-shirt collection to, I think, three. Like, probably my first one and then and then a few others. But yeah. I, it does. It's, you get a little sentimental. I yeah, have, definitely. I have, two, I have two, grocery bag, two grocery bags full of folded t-shirts from Riot that I plan on making into a quilt. <laughs> but, like, like they're, they're, it's substantial. Um, really quick, I have to bounce. Dinner's ready, and I told my wife we'd be done about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we started a again, late today. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like, keep on going, guys. Um, 
again, if you have any criticisms, like I'm still, I'm reading, you can tweet uh, DevDive, you can tweet myself, um, post comments wherever, I, like we, we're checking them. Um, and then something we're going to try and do, uh, hopefully I'm not stealing anyone's thunder, something we're going to try and do is maybe split up some of these conversations across a few episodes to give people time to think about questions that they would like to ask, and then we'll be able to follow up again. So um, I still have to discuss this with Ben and Marin, but we were talking about potentially having her come back on um, to to address some of these questions, because there's a couple of very like pointed, specific questions that we would like to to kind of drill down on. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for Marin to be helping right. us out with uh, with us. I have yes. one very important question for you, Go. Oh no. What's for dinner? Uh so we are we cooked some steak. Vivi made some uh, mashed potatoes and I think we fried some green beans in the steak juice. Okay, I'll be uh, so... I'll be over in twenty minutes ish. Okay. We'll, yeah. We'll get some dinner. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, <wish>. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Larry, have a good have a good night. Thanks for joining night, us Larry. for, the, see ya. for uh, the good portion of the podcast. Hope, hope he'll be Oh, I don't know what? if you left already, but are no, you I'm still here. What? later? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Important questions. Maybe. Okay. I think Vivi and I might be on later. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. All right. Now we have to carry the weight of this podcast without without our fearless Just leader. Just the two of us? What? <laughs> so wait, well, we were talking think... about we were talking about how great Uber t shirts are. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Do you, I, got, do you get to ride along segways at Apple? No, no. <laughs> they at um at their main new fancy campus, the um the spaceship that I do not get to work in. Um, oh. They have bikes, but the the one time I went to that campus, I had like this gigantic um gym bag, and I was really afraid <laughs> that I was going to be that girl on the bike who's like falls over and oh. gets injured. Uh, yeah, that's that's just that's too bad. Uh, that's would be one of my main reasons to work at a a fancy. Um, tech company. It's all the stupid little perks that you get to get to have to work there. Yeah, I honestly had to when I was looking for new jobs and I was trying to figure out what my salary should be. I had I was like, okay, well, I get free lunch at Uber, so that's like eight dollars. I mean, ten dollars, <laughs> thirteen, really, if in San Francisco, so it's like thirteen, oh, yeah. so times five times. Um, <laughs> Those are expensive yeah, sandwiches. Oh gosh, the city is just <laughs> ridiculously expensive, but I love it. Okay, okay. But that's oh, that's my life. That's my <laughs> work history in a nutshell. It's definitely been a an interesting career path from vet to customer support to I can't believe I'm a, a producer at this amazing company. Um it's just such a strange journey. And I think yeah, you, you, you might be advice, one of the more accomplished people that we've had on the show um oh, at least more, one of the more uh diverse like one of the more um you've been in more positions than than most of the people i think we had a couple guests <laughs> who, who had two previous major jobs and i think one other who had three but yeah i think i think you are one of the more um accomplished well, it was people. a little it was a little silly at Kicksai when I started. You know, I was there for three years and I had six different job titles. So I had, oh, we had the little game uh, desk nameplates and I, I kept them all. Um, and I don't even know what I did with them, but 
uh, Andrew Bangle. You should make a quilt out of them. A few episodes back. I should make a quilt with various shirts. Uh, he kept comment- commenting. He's like, Marin, you have a new, you get promoted like every two weeks. Like it's just because the company was going through some stuff. And so my title kept changing. You know, you can be project manager, producer. I was in a marketing. I bet associate. your LinkedIn is fantastic. <laughs> I think I've, I think I've clumped some of them together. Uh, so I was like, this is a, a little ridiculous. <laughs> just didn't know what we were doing. Small company trying to figure it out. But I think that's it's kind of my my main advice to anybody who's starting and and looking at work from college or you know just wants a change work hard and be nice so simple but i think that's you know with making connections that's the the best thing you can do is just work really hard uh you know i loved what andrew said in the previous episode about he was working after work doing animation for the team doing art for for the team so that he could get that job you know it just takes it takes knowing what you want and and working hard and talking to the people who have that job or are in that area i found that most people want to help you know this this kid at clemson looked um looked people up on linkedin and just cold called me straight cold called me i was like hey i want to do marketing looking at apple is there anything i do and i I want to help. I just got so excited that somebody found me on LinkedIn and was like, I want your job. And I was like, yes, like, let me get you connections. Let me find a few people that might have job openings. And I never met this kid. His resume was okay. It was fine. It was just most people want to help. They want to help the next generation. I think everybody kind of, no one's going to be upset if you shoot them an email or call them up. No one's going to be upset that you're wasting their time. Yeah, the worst thing, the third thing that's probably going to happen is that they just won't answer you. And that's really yeah. not that bad. <laughs> right, it's, it's not. Especially if you're blanketing a large group of people with uh, with that either yeah, email maybe, or call. Maybe be a little pointed. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend just a blanket email, but <laughs> um, pick a few people and and hit them up and never know. All right. Well, we have uh, been on for about 40, 50 minutes. Um, so I yeah, think that's maybe an hour. pretty much what we've decided that is going to be the sweet spot for the main podcast. Um, as always, we're going to have a short Q&A after the podcast. If anyone in the live chat or if anyone leaves comments, um, we'll answer those after the show. And if you like that sort of thing, follow us at twitch.tv slash Nighthawk2000. That's where we're hosting the podcast right now. Um, and something that I did want to mention is uh, instead of plugging all our sorts of different social medias or anything, just uh, if you use Discord, just join discord.gg slash Nighthawk. And we have a info channel in there that has all of our social medias, all of our personal Twitters and anywhere you can listen to the podcast. So instead of plugging everything, just go to the Discord and, and uh, you'll find everything you'll need in there. And you can always ask me a question there too. I'm pretty much... If I'm awake, I'm I'm reachable on there. Um, so once again, I just wanted to thank Marin for coming on and sharing her experience. And we're very excited to have her on the team. And uh, hopefully she'll bring a little structure to this ramshackle um, <laughs> three three children in a trench coat of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, have a good ben, night, everyone. And, uh, <laughs> thanks, Phantom Larry. <laughs> Phantom Larry. <laughs> All right.